0: Nuclear power can either be used for great good or great harm. Nuclear power can light a city up, can make it to where we can see in our kitchens at night when we turn on the light. When we turn on the air conditioner, we can stay cool during the day. Or nuclear power can be used to vaporize hundreds of thousands of people in a moment if delivered in a warhead. Nuclear power has great potential for good and evil. Depends on how you use it. Today we're going to talk about something very similar to nuclear power, even stronger, even more powerful. We're going to talk about today, we're going to talk about our tongues. Our tongues, how we speak, has the potential to either build up or devastate. It has the potential either to console or vaporize. It has the potential to serve or obliterate, to help or to hurt. And You might think I'm overstating it. I haven't even told you the half. Our speech, our language, our words have power beyond all reckoning. Your words matter. Your tongue weighs only two ounces. But yet, your tongue has the power to cripple the strongest among us and build up the weakest among us. And I'm not overstating the power of words. I haven't told you the half. Remember where we are. We're in the book of James. We're walking through this book slowly and we're letting James guide us into what it looks like to, become, to be a Christian. Not to become a Christian, but to be a Christian. Remember, James is helping us see, as believers, here's a portrait of what a Christian ought to look like. He's introduced this to us already. He said, remember, in verse one or chapter 1, verse 26, if anyone thinks he's religious and does not bridle his tongue but deceives his heart, this person's religion is worthless. Religion is is pure and undefiled before God, the Father, it's this, to visit orphans and widows in their affliction and to keep oneself unstained from the world. That's kind of the table of contents that James is working from. We've talked, we've said last week, authentic Christians have a living faith and they don't just talk about what they believe, they live it out. A Christian will be obedient. Now, James moves on. He signaled this to us in Chapter 1, verse 26, he moves on to now speak about how we speak. Here's the question. Do you speak like a Christian? Do your words reflect Christ? That's what we're going to consider in our time today. I'm going to read beginning in verse 1, and I'll go to the middle of verse 5 in James chapter 3. So, if you have your Bible, follow along with me. James says, not many of you should become teachers, my brothers, for you know that we who teach will be judged with greater strictness. For we all stumble in many ways, and if anyone does not stumble in what he says, he is a perfect man, able to bridle his whole body. If we put bits in the mouths of horses so that they obey us, we guide their whole bodies as well. Look at the ships also though they are large and driven by strong winds they are guided by a very small rudder wherever the will of the pilot directs so also the tongue is a small member yet it boasts of great things lord i pray that you would help us lord as we again open your word as we again at a distance consider your word i pray that we would all of us, Lord, as we think about coming back from this pandemic, I pray that you would help us to be people who look more like Christians and also who speak more like Christians. And I pray that that would be the effect for me and for all of us as we as you as we hear from James in James chapter 3 verses 1 through 5. Lord Jesus, in your name, I ask for your help. Amen. Two thoughts first, the danger of many words. Now, The danger of many words. The danger of many words is is even more acute if your job is words. That's what he's saying. Teachers make their living by speaking. Their words can either tear tear down or build up. They can either encourage people or lead them astray. Their words can push people to Jesus or, or pull them away. Their words can make grace seem amazing or grace seem mundane. James chapter 3 verse 1 is the most sobering verse in the Bible for me. Not many of you should become teachers, my brothers, for you know that we who teach will be judged with greater strictness. Now I've been preaching and teaching consistently for 18 years now, I did the math, and that means that over that time span I've spoken roughly four million words in public. And that frightens me. I don't remember them all. I don't recall everything I've said. And those words, all those words have been spoken, and I will be judged with greater strictness. It's important for us to understand that teachers, it's a privilege to preach and teach, but it's also a responsibility. A responsibility that anyone who steps into a pulpit, anyone who steps to the front of a class, anyone who leads a Bible study, anyone who teaches and directs other people in the scriptures, anybody, is going to be judged with greater strictness. It's incredibly foolish to want to be a teacher so that you will be noticed and have a reputation. The Lord wants you to understand you will have a stricter judgment. Now, you might think, Judgment? Christians, they don't get judged. What's going on here? Will Christians be judged? The answer is both no and yes. No, we won't be condemned with eternal torment for our many sins. Our sins have been put on Jesus, and Jesus has died in our place. He has paid the penalty for our sins. We will not be condemned, but we will face a judgment of, sort, of sorts. We will be judged based on the life we've lived for Jesus. So those of us that are followers of Jesus, we're not gonna face torment, we're not gonna face eternal judgment, but at the end of our lives, we're going, to be, we're going to stand before the Lord, and he's going to say, in light of all I've given you, how did you live? And as a teacher, I know that part of the evaluation of my life will be, what did you say to the people I love so very much? These people I've died for, what did you say to them, Rich. What did you say? Did it help them? Did it hurt them? Did it lead them astray? How many idle words were there? Did you tell them? Did you you tell them just what they wanted to hear? Did you shrink back from preaching truth? Were you overly harsh? Were you overly soft? Were sinners pointed to Jesus or were they made to dwell in their condemnation? I mean here. questions like, was I too concerned with what people thought? Were my words unnecessarily offensive? Or did I dance around the truth too much so I wouldn't offend? Did I just speak the truth? Did I gloss over things because it would be hard to explain? Was I more concerned with the fame of the Lord than my name? See, these are the things that are going to be asked of me. This is intensely personal for me. I think about this every time I'm out the pulpit. These words that I speak and I know this now these words will be judged. Not many of us should become teachers. More is expected. Not only teachers and preachers face the trouble of many words, everyone does. There are dangers in our words. Your tongue, remember, is able to do untold good or untold harm. There's the danger of many words, and now we see the danger of words in general for everybody. Look at verse 2. For we all stumble in many ways. That is absolutely true. See how he takes the focus from just preachers and teachers now to talking about all of us? All of us stumble in many ways. He's not assuming that we are some kind of perfect people. We're not. And he says if anyone does not stumble in what he says, he is a perfect man also, able also to bridle his whole body. The idea here is not that he's saying that he's not that he's saying anybody is really perfect, but But the the task of controlling your tongue is what controls who you are, the manner of your life. Our tongue, what we say, is a daily reminder of who we are. Our tongue reflects what's going on in our hearts. James doesn't use the word heart here, but the concept is all over this section. Now by heart, we don't mean the muscle that pumps and delivers blood to every nook and cranny of our bodies, but our inner self. For Scripture, our heart means our inner self. And our words, our speech, shows what we, what we really believe. No one is able to be perfect in their speech. Again, we're not, we're not in heaven yet. But our words reflect our hearts. And James uses two analogies to show us the power of the tongue. First, verse 3, if we put bits into the mouths of horses so that they obey us, we guide their whole bodies as well. A bit in the horse's mouth gives the rider power over that horse. A subtle tug to the right, and the horse goes to the right. A subtle tug of the reins to the left, and the horse goes to the left. This tiny little thing holds sway and mastery over this massive beast. The same is true for ships at sea. That's what he says in verse 4. Look at the ships also. Though they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are guided by a very small rudder wherever the will of the pilot directs. Giant ships are manipulated by a relatively small rudder. They traverse the world's oceans and waterways completely manipulated by a small rudder. So what do we see here? We see, we see that A rider uses a bit to direct his mount. A captain uses a rudder to direct a ship. And then he says in verse 5, So also, the tongue is a small member, yet it boasts of great things. Our speech, our speech guides our actions. In other words, the heart moves the tongue. See, the temptation when we read something like this is to say, Wow. I'll just try to do better. And James is helping us see that is not possible on your own. See, we're not just supposed to try harder or just stop speaking. Look at what he says in verse 8. No human being can tame the tongue. No human being can tame the tongue. This is a riddle. On the one hand, he's saying, what's the pattern of your speech? On the other hand, he's saying, no one can tame the tongue. James seems to be saying, control your tongue, but you can't really. Because, why? Why? Because we need something more powerful than just a mental decision to speak differently. We need to undergo a change on the inside. James wants us to feel this tension. We should not move on too quickly. We must recognize the difficulty, the impossibility of truly controlling our speech. I feel the tension. The answer is not just to try to change by the simple dent of our will, but to change our hearts. See, this is what we can't do on our own. When James says in verse 8, I skipped ahead a little bit to next week, but it's the same... there's connections here in our section. When when James says in verse 8, no human can tame the tongue, he means no human can tame the tongue alone. None of us can. None of us can. We need to have a heart change. But before we can have that heart change, before we can recognize that we need help, we need to be convicted. We need the gift of conviction from the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, through His many manifold work, can convict us. This pandemic, remember, is an opportunity. It's an opportunity to evaluate and consider. Your two-ounce tongue can be used like a nuclear generator or like a nuclear bomb. Which is it? Which is it? Do you leave a trail of debris? Do you leave a trail of carnage with your tongue? Or do you build up and fix and mend and bind up? Which is it? Do your words deliver hope or explosions? Not just what you say, remember. Today, in our world, we can deliver words across the planet in the blink of an eye. Think about your emails, your texts your Facebook posts, your Instagram posts, your Twitter posts, everything you do on social media. And none of us are going to be perfect, but let's look at the general pattern of our words. Let's think about our words and see if the Spirit gives us the gift of conviction. Are your words generally helpful? Do they generally build people up? Look at the pattern of your words. Do they build people up or do they tear people down? Are your words mostly corrective and combative? constantly tossing out opinions? Are you hard to disagree with? Do you talk about people? What's the pattern of your words? Are the pattern of your words complaining and ranting? And are they angry? And do you yell? Do you exaggerate? Do you embellish? You see, what we need to do is humble ourselves and ask, who am I based on what I say? Now, some of you may realize that you're not genuinely converted. As you consider the pattern of your speech, the pattern of your speech. Now, no one's perfect, but consider the pattern of your speech. Is it redemptive? Do you point people away from yourself and on the Lord? Now, if you have a level of conviction, like all of us will have a level of conviction, here's what we do. We don't just make a resolution to try to be different. We go to our Lord and say, God, help me. See, this is one of the things that he promises to do. He promises never to leave us or forsake us, and he promises to help us. And so when we are gifted with conviction, when we are given the gift of conviction by the Holy Spirit, we don't wanna turn away from that. We wanna recognize that that is the activity of God in us. Here we have Jesus who has died and rose again so that we might not pay eternal torment for our many sins, and our many sins of speech. We will not pay for those sins, Christians. But, as Christians, we will be asked, how did you speak? Consider your words, while we will not pay eternally for our sins. We have an opportunity in these days to ask the Lord to help us with our speech. To help us. So what is the pattern of your speech? Where do you need help? You can't do it alone. Jesus, Jesus promises to help us via the Holy Spirit. So what's the answer? The answer is, Lord, help me. I can't do this. I need you to help me change on the inside, change who I am. I need you to affect my tongue by impacting my heart. And so we don't want to postpone obedience. We don't want to try to push these feelings, these bad feelings aside. We want to say, Lord, I have sinned. Think of the ways that you've sinned with your speech. Review Facebook, review Instagram, review people, review texts, look back on your phone. Maybe even ask the people that you're closest to about your speech. Is your what's the pattern of your speech? What is it like? And then where you where you think of specific situations, ask the Lord for forgiveness and help. See, one of the things I want us to be at Center Church is, as we talk about being fixed on Jesus, I want us to be people who don't just talk about Jesus and we want to, we like we saw, we saw last week, we want to do great, good works for Jesus, but also we want to reflect Jesus and who He is in our pattern of speech in everything we say, wherever we're talking, wherever we're writing, wherever we're communicating. We want to reflect Jesus. So your tongue, that two ounce muscle, how are you using that muscle to build up or tear down? Lord, help us all.